0: This
1: flames are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entire, just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now.
0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Aquaman and Firestorm, the fire and water podcast, a proud member of the fire and water podcast network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemal Shag. Now, Rob's off this week, folks, but I have with me a fellow matchhead to discuss some awesome Firestorm team-up stories. And if we're going to be talking about superhero team-ups, there is one guy, who, one authority, who immediately jumps to my mind. Now, today's guest is the mad genius behind Super Team Family, The Lost Issues. This is a website dedicated to posting imaginary comic book covers featuring the greatest team-ups that never happened but should have. Featuring stars from DC, Marvel, and beyond. Folks, please Welcome, Mr. Ross Pearsall. Thanks for being here, Ross. How are you doing, man? Awesome, and thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I have been following your work for years, years and years and years and years. Folks, he's been doing this website for 11 years, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I am, I'm so jazzed to have you here. And I mean, you are the team-up guy as far as I'm concerned.
1: Am I wrong? I would say I was the mashup team
0: up guy. Oh, okay.
1: That's fair. That's
0: fair. You know, you should, we should probably have you explain that to folks at home. So super team family, the lost issues is what the website's called, right? Yep. So by my count, you're up to over 3,400 covers a day. I mean, one per day, but 3,400. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yep. I post one every single day. So (laughs) the number keeps going up and up.
0: (laughs) So why don't you tell the people at home, like describe what you post every day and then I'll walk them through an example.
1: Well, Super Team Family was a comic put out by DC in the 70s. And it was a a team-up comic. They'd have a few stories each issue. Sometimes they'd have a reprint, something uh, with the Teen Titans or uh, a World's Finest with Superman and Batman. And then they'd have new content as well. And they'd have some, even though it was within the DC universe, some really oddball team-ups. You know, the Flash and the New Gods. And Mm -hmm. uh, they had the one that really struck me was Creeper and Wildcat. I'm like, oh, two (laughs) crazy C-listers. You never thought they'd put them together, and and that's what made it. Exciting. So, my concept for this blog is, what if that series which ran, I believe, 18 issues? What if it just ran forever? And instead of just DC, you could use any character from anywhere. And that's a very open ended concept. So once you go with that, you can really just keep rolling. That's how it's been going for 11 years and, and going because it's such an open ended concept. That's basically the concept of it. Uh, it's mostly superheroes, but any kind of character together with any other character.
0: So it's fair to say every single time it's two characters from different universes. Like you never pair two Marvel characters together. It's always like a Marvel and a DC
1: or a right. Marvel and it's Dark. It's always a intercompany crossover. So I actually I did start the, the origins of the blog was it began as Brave and the Bold, the Lost Issues, which is why the website is Brave and Bold Lost.blogspot.com. Believe me, if I had known I was going to do Super T Family, I wouldn't have made that thing. <laughs> people still get confused by that, but that's how it started. It started just for my own personal amusement. I loved the Brave and the Bold. I was like, what if that, you know, as much as I loved Batman and the Outsiders, what if Brave and the Bold hadn't ended? There were so many team-ups he never got to. Batman and Captain Marvel Shazam, or, you know, Batman and Martian Manhunter. So many that he just never got to in that comic. So I made some mock-ups of like, okay, what if it did continue? And I tried to use Jim Aparo artwork where I could and only characters that were around at that publishing time. I tried oh, wow. to be very authentic. So it did start just DC. I posted them on a message board and people got a kick out of them. And then suddenly somebody was like, oh, what about Batman and Howard the Duck? You know, <laughs> right. so, and so that got me to branch out and I was doing Batman and Marvel characters and characters from somewhere else. But then eventually I exhausted that. So I just switched the main character to the thing and made it Marvel two in one, the lost issues where he was the anchor. So it was The Thing and somebody else every issue.
0: That's about the time I found the blog, by the way, was when The right. Thing was involved.
1: So when I felt I exhausted that, that's when I went to Super Team Family, which really blew it open. And I'm like, this one, I, I can never get <laughs> exhaust because it's it's so wide open. You can use anybody from anywhere, and that's how it's kept going for so
0: long. <laughs> it's the whole multiverse at your fingertips there. So I'll, yeah. I'll, de- I'll describe one to you folks at home. So it, here you go. This one I picked specifically because it's got Aquaman and Firestorm on the cover, just in case you forgot it's an Aquaman and Firestorm podcast. Not that we're going to talk about Aquaman today, but so this is Super Team Family number 205. And what Ross did here, he took an old Justice League of America cover by George Perez, uh, issue 203, if you remember, the one where it has the team in the background and in the foreground, you see Death's hand holding some cards with the Royal Flush Gang on it. Well, What Ross has done is he's replaced the Royal Flush Gang with using images of the Squadron Supreme. Uh, It looks to me like they're from the Marvel Universe entries, but so you see the Squadron Supreme in the foreground, in the background it's the Justice League, and it's the corresponding members. Like You see Nuke and Firestorm, you see Amphibian and Aquaman, you see Hyperion and Superman and so on. It looks awesome! Then Ross takes it next level by writing his own cover copy, just like it would be on the issue. Here it says "'For the Justice League to live!' Their counterparts must die. And then has quotes, the uh, tarot of terror. This is genius, man. I love this kind of stuff. Uh, How do you come up? I know it's a a horrible question to ask someone in like a discussion, but how do you come up with this stuff every single month or day and not burn out? It's amazing.
1: Well, I've read comics my entire life, so they're kind of in my bloodstream. And then just the nature of doing this blog, I'm constantly looking for images. So I'm I'm pouring over comic imagery and especially comic book covers all the time. So just kind of all the tropes from the different eras and stuff. I kind of know the, the jargon and the language now. I actually cheat a little because I still use all the tools on the covers that have, for the most part, gone by the wayside. You're titles, word balloons, and uh, captions. Mm -hmm. That's because I only have a single image to tell a story with. I I don't want to... It would get old really fast if each cover was just two people you know about to fight right charging the camera together or you know one character gasping and enter other character you know <laughs> which i see a, the the other mashups i've seen before i did my blog were basically those which was cool there was a newness to it so you didn't mind but if i was doing that for thousands of covers on it it would get real old real quick so i wanted to give an idea of what the story is and uh, you know i've done Continued stories and things mm-hmm. that go on and stuff and I think that does elevate it to the next level I want to pick your mind's eye for you know the possibilities of what could be so just a hint of what's going on so I, I'm not against having a, a two guys are about to fight cover but I always want a, a reason or a motivation behind one or if, if not that it's just a funny title if I have a bad pun sometimes that's enough <laughs> you know, something a little extra there than just the artwork. But it's also a celebration of the artwork. So I'm very careful. I don't try to stick too much stuff Over the artwork and over the faces. I try to find blank spots on the page where I can do that because I really want to showcase the artwork because it's a love letter to the comic uh, artists and characters that I've loved growing up so much.
0: Well, you do a fantastic job of pairing great artists together. You know, sometimes you're able to get the same artist from both stuff, but a lot, you know, a lot of times it's pairing different artists. They always mesh well. It's great. Your your cover copy, I know I already complimented, but man, you're better than a lot of editors when they write their cover copy. And you're right. Every time I look at one of these and Again, folks, you post it every day. You can either you, know, you can go to the blog, you can follow him on Facebook and Twitter, all these things. Uh, it it really does spark your imagination. Like I can imagine a whole story based on most of those covers, and it's uh, such a joy. So I, I, I've said this to you before, Ross, offline, but like I don't get a lot of joy out of new comic books. However, looking at Ross's work, I get just as much joy as I would you know thirty one covers a month or whatever as I would have reading reading a full comic book. So it's well worth following this. It's it's awesome. I love it. And am I right in saying that when you started, you were doing all of this just in Microsoft Paint? Is that correct?
1: Oh, yeah. In fact, this Justice League Squadron Supreme cover you were just talking about, that's a—that's an MS Paint one. I did all the Brave and the Bolds, all the Marvel 2 and ones and about the first 300 issues or so of Super Team Family in MS Paint before I bought Photoshop, which I was like, oh, my God, where, where have I been? I <laughs> going from a, a club to a machine gun as far as the tools I had to use. So that was, for me, open in the Doris. Uh, you know creatively again uh besides just switching to the super team uh family as a theme the, getting that new tool to use it's uh it's made it so much easier
0: i can only imagine doing doing 300 covers in ms paint like uh, it's like you hate yourself or something like that
1: <laughs> yeah well i was proud of it and i'm glad i did a lot uh with them because i, I did want to show what you could do with a relatively simple program like yeah paint so i mean it, it, believe me uh, there was a the temptation to take a Lot of the earlier really covers off because you see me, you know, learn as I go. <laughs> if you started those <laughs> old of the balls, some of those are pretty rough and like. But I, I, I resisted the urge. I'm like, I'm just going to leave the good ones. You know, I, I think it's good to show. I didn't really know. I was teaching myself, and even when I began Photoshop, they're a little wonky. You can tell I'm learning how to use it. You know, it takes me a year before I'm really rocking my stride there. I,
0: I promise you, you're a lot more critical of yourself than the rest of us are. You're <laughs> old. I mean, I was I was making a joke about MS paint not about your production because your production still looks amazing even in paint so yeah uh, you're you're probably your own worst critic because I think the rest of us just love all of them
1: oh well thank you I appreciate that <laughs> all
0: right well folks I, I believe me I could do a whole show just talking with Ross about this but we are here to talk about Firestorm team up so that's what we're going to do we're going to transition now but hang around to the end because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a few of the imaginary Firestorm team up covers that Ross has done for super team family he's done over 40 of them by the way of just firestorm but uh we're gonna highlight just a couple of special ones at the end so why don't we get moving here ross w- let me ask you as we get in talking about firestorm i know you're a big firestorm fan that's how we found each other oh, yeah. what is your personal origin story with firestorm how did you find the co- character and what made you fall in love with it
1: well I think I'm a little older than you. I'm 52. I was born in 1969. So when Firestorm came out, I was, you know, really when I was discovering comics. I mean, there was never a time I didn't read them. This was when I was like, started putting them in order and knowing who the writers were and really getting into them. And that's when he debuted. And... He's the first character that I was able to follow from the beginning. You know, I mm. have Flash and Batman and Superman and Spider Man and Fantastic Four and Avengers and all these other characters that I loved, even as young as I was, started before my time. So I, you know, I some in the Golden Age. But I think before even Wolverine. I think. Firestorm was the first character. I remember when his first original series came out. And um, I think I only had one issue of that from a garage sale. Most of my comics were my older brother's scattered comics. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, a couple of years later, by the time he started showing up, you know, in 1980 in DC Comics Presents, I had babysitting money and stuff. I can go out and buy my own comics. And that's when I think that the DC Comics Presents uh, Firestorm, his first appearance in there. That was the one that really won me over. And uh, I just loved that, like, I felt like I was on board the ground floor, finally, with a character. <laughs> I think with Marvel, it wasn't until Monaco Rambeau, Captain Marvel, that I had a character that I could like, hook on to, like, I'm going to know the whole story now because I'm starting where they're starting. So that's why he's, uh, and I, I think I've heard you point this out before. He felt like a Marvel character mm-hmm. in the DC world, which and I always preferred DC over Marvel when I was a kid. But I'd like to that because it just made him unique there they didn't really have that you know they had robin and the teen titans but they didn't have that solo teen hero uh, the way he was so those two things were really what resonated with me
0: that's awesome and yeah you're absolutely right that was jerry conway's very purposeful intent was to create a marvel character in the dc universe Hey, you picked right up on it so that's awesome so, and you know, there, there's maybe it's something about the eighties. I don't know what it is, but there's something magical about finding your character that you can get out of the ground floor with. Like for me, I Firestorm was a little far along. Uh, I certainly went backwards, but blue devil was my get in on the ground floor character. So I totally understand. So, all right, well let's take a second to thank our sponsors and then we'll get rolling folks. So this episode of the fire and water podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades in stock trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions all for up to 42% off with free shipping. On for orders of fifty dollars or more. Now, the first book I picked, I was thinking team ups, so I picked DC Comics Generations Hardcover. This is actually a recent comic that I'm enjoying. So, what this is, it's a uh, three stories put together. It's Generations Shattered, Generations Forge, and Generations Fractured, which was in Detective Comics 1027. They, DC is doing this really interesting story where they've taken all these various versions of characters, like Commandy from the Far Future, you know, Starfire from the Teen Titans, Sinestro from the past, Blue. Booster Gold right after he became Booster Gold and like Batman it's literally the Batman out of 1939 so it's all these different characters that shouldn't be together thrown them all together in this interesting story with a lot of different creative teams involved a lot of writers a lot of artists and I, I haven't read the last part Generations Forge but I've read Shattered and it was really interesting so I, I bring this up because again it's a great team up it's a it's a contemporary comic that's lots of fun it's out there right now in stock trades uh, cover arts by Joe Prado and Ivan Reese full page count is 184 pages full color it's a hardcover cover. Normally goes for $29.99, but you can get it 42% off right now, so it's only $17.39. And if you are interested in dipping your toe in modern DC Comics that are fun, this is a really good way to try some out. So, again, DC Comics, Generations, hardcover. Now, Ross, did you happen to pick something from In Stock Trades? I did.
1: What you got? The DC Comics, The Art of Darwin Cook.
0: Ooh.
1: Trade paperback. I think there was a hardcover a few years, Graphic Ink, the DC Comics of Darwin Cook. This is the same material in that. Plus, I think they have like 20 extra pages. And it's amazing. He's an amazing artist. Gone too soon. They start with his work in the Talent Showcase. They go through Gotham Knights, Legion Worlds, JSA All-Stars, Jonah Hex, all through his career. Dozens of covers this thing is a monster 408 pages and it's the same price point that you gave for your selection Was well, dollars 29.99 42 percent off 1739 so I'm getting this it sounds awesome I can't wait to look through it
0: that's another amazing book that I can endorse folks I own the hardcover by graphic ink that you're talking about it is stunning and uh, getting a soft cover that's even cheaper that's an awesome way to go so cannot recommend that and it's in a sense it is a bit of a team up book because there's so many different characters in there and Every page is Darwin Cook. It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It's a beauty. So, folks, for these and all your trade paperback needs, please visit stocktrades.com. This episode is also sponsored in part with your Patreon support because running the Firewater Podcast Network with so many shows requires a lot of online hosting and other services. And you guys really stepped up to the plate when we asked for some help, and we sincerely appreciate it. I can honestly say without your help, the network would not be on the air today. So, if you're interested in supporting the Firewater Podcast Network, please visit uh, our Patreon, which is slash FW podcasts and consider supporting the network there at certain sponsorship tiers you'll get mentioned on your favorite fire and water shows just like these folks who chose to support the Aquaman and Firestorm show our thanks to Robert Lewis Jason Pope Jay Campbell Adam Ackerman Philip Rutledge David A. Gutierrez and Gord Tolton again just visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash FW podcasts all right folks so we are going to take a quick podcast promo break and when we come back we are going to talk about some of the greatest Firestorm team-ups of all time <laughs> new from supermates recordings
1: chilling sounds from the house of franklinstein the
0: blood-curdling sounds of horror in one four-episode set
1: featuring your favorite stars from classic spooky films lon cheney jr and bella lugosi the father was saying that your mother was the lightning Peter Cushing and Stephanie Beecham. The night has over. I don't think it is. And Christopher Lee. I have returned to destroy you. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. I'm going to haunt him. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Heather Langing Camp and Johnny Depp. Do you believe in the Cookie Man? No. And Robert England. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Here's more The hit House of Frankenstein theme by Terry O'Malley. <laughs> Order now and you'll receive bonus comic stories featuring your favorite superheroes versus fiendish monsters. Offer ends October
0: 31st and it's not available in any store. Here's how to order. To order
1: The Chilling Sounds from the House of Frankenstein, save all credit card and COD charges by visiting FireAndWaterPodcast.com or search for Fire and Water Podcast Network or Supermates. Podcatchers are standing by. Yeah.
0: 2011 the irredeemable shag and aqua rob kelly teamed up to create the fire and water podcast in 2016 they teamed up with ryan daly the franklins and Siskoid to form the fire and water podcast network a network built on teaming up needs a show about team ups marvel team up yes the brave and the bold you know it marvel two in one it's clobbering time DC
1: Comics presents... Of course. Supervillain Team-Up? Good idea. Youngblood X-Force? Mmm, technically.
0: FW Team-Up, coming this summer, only from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It is time for some nuclear team ups, folks. Yes, Ross and I are old school Firestorm fans, and we went through our collections. We went through, we actually built a database of all these team ups that we could think of and really sat there and tried to think what are some of our favorite team ups. And that's what this is going to be. It's just kind of a free-for-all. We're going to go back and forth, throw out a favorite issue, talk a little bit about it, and we'll just take the conversation from there. And what I want you people to do is go out to our website, which is firewaterpodcast.com. Go to the Aquaman and Firestorm show. Go to this episode, number 252, and leave your comments. Tell us which of your favorite team-ups. Or if you want to tell us why we're right or wrong for picking these, do so. I want to hear your thoughts because we're all match heads. We're all in this together. Uh, you know, if, if, if no one else is going to celebrate Firestorm, we might as well, right? So share your thoughts as we go along. So, Ross, you get the first pick, man. What you got?
1: All right, I'm gonna start with DC Comics presents Seventeen. Woohoo! It's from a January 1980, written by Jerry Conway. Pencils by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez.
0: Praise be Inks. his name.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> <Inks> <laughs> by Steve Mitchell. Letters by Ben Oda and colorist Jerry Sur. So this starts out with Superman at Star Labs. He's helping to defrost and study a supposedly dead killer frost for them to use as heat vision. Professor Martin Stein breaks through the doors to say, no, 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 she hates all men. She'll kill us all. He said, oh, he's, he's just this crazy professor. He's been having a blackout They drag him out of there. Uh, Superman uses his heat vision on Killer Frost. She comes back, immediately attacks. She says, oh, I've just been waiting for my chance. Now I will enslave all men. So, you know, Martin Stein was exactly right. She zaps and kisses Superman, makes him a slave. Her plan is to build a device that's got to focus her power, make him more powerful than ever. Stein subconsciously summons Firestorm while Ronnie's in a basketball game. They confront Superman and Killer Frost on top of the World Trade Center. Firestorm finds he's quickly overpowered, so he brings Superman down to the center of the Earth where the molten core melts the ice influence off of Superman. (laughs) They go back together to face Killer Frost. Firestorm whips up a fake Superman to fight with her while they destroy her machine. They They save the day, and Superman ends the issue by asking if Firestorm will join the Justice League. (gasps) <gasps> dun, dun, dun. so a great issue jerry conway i think was writing the justice league at that time so oh yeah he's allowed to do that <laughs> uh, of course the first thing we probably both remember about this is the jose luis garcia lopez artwork i mean praise be his name <laughs> his artwork in uh, dc comics present is amazing the stories uh that he did are my favorites from that series and i liked almost the entire series uh awesome cover like i said this was the comic that I think introduced me to Firestorm. I later went back a couple years later and was able to collect all of his original series, but this was the one. And it was a perfect one. I think Jerry Conway knew that was going to be the case because this has Firestorm's origin, the backstory on Stein, everything you really need to know. You've got his supporting cast of characters in there You've got his main supervillain in there, all her backstory. He's really doing the work here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's not just the exposition dump. It's within the story. So he does a great job of making it the first time a, a reader has read about Firestorm. They've got everything they need to know to go forward with the character.
0: In, in a lot of ways, it kind of was a lot of people's introduction to the character because, yeah, you yeah. know, Firestorm was there uh, in his own series for five issues. Then the implosion happened, so he never even appeared outside of his own book. So this is really, and, and he's gone for 15 months entirely, and then Jerry brought him back here specifically as he wanted to put Firestorm back in the spotlight. And this really was his chance to introduce Firestorm to the bigger world for people who didn't happen to buy those first five issues of Firestorm. So yeah, you're you're right. This is a perfect package to put in someone's hand to introduce the character.
1: Yeah, and then beautifully illustrated by Garcia Lopez. I mean, he is just amazing and I, I don't know Firestorm, I close my eyes I see Pat Broderick's Firestorm but okay. this is an amazing rendition he's, he's seldom looked better
0: uh, It looks fantastic, I mean between, I, I'm hard pressed to pick Perez uh, Lopez or uh, Broderick as like the premier Firestorm artist of the classic version it's kind of hard because they all are gorgeous and perfect and you know he even made Killer Frost like really alluring in this I mean he did it, the whole thing, the package is just stunning i mean it's just there's enough there's not enough good superlatives to say about this guy as an artist so it's it's incredible now i want to ask you does this feel to you like a superman story or does it feel like a firestorm story or does it feel balanced to you
1: Uh, i think this is a is a great balance i love that superman's kind of the elder statesman here and so that moment at the end where he asks him to join the justice league you know gives it all that much more weight Okay. See, for me, I kind of felt like it was a Firestorm
0: story guest starring Superman. That, that's how I was seeing it. But I mean, I could be easily swayed either way. So I, I also want to ask you, what makes this a great team-up comic? What was it that, you know, obviously it's a great comic, but what makes it a great team-up comic?
1: Basically, th- that ending, because it, it meant something, this is going to have repercussions. And also, also, I would just say that... Uh, I like the, the new kid on the block versus the veteran hero. And I say versus because they battle perhaps because Superman is in a trance, which I can understand why you say it's more on the firestorm side with Superman, because Superman's not quite himself. We're going to get into that theme in the later issue of mine. Yeah. So, but, uh, As for a team, it's got two great characters, one great villain. In 17 pages, they tell more story than you see in a lot of uh, uh, four-part miniseries these days.
0: (laughs) That's absolutely fair. That is absolutely for me. I, I, the, I, I totally in sync with what you're saying as far as like the Superman mentoring firestorm at the end makes this an awesome team up. Also, I like the battle uh, when they go to the center of the earth, it's, it's, you know, you get Ronnie and the professor teaming up because the professor's telling Ronnie what to do to go to the center of the earth. You get Superman in there, even though he is the, the enemy, it's still a great way to tell that story. And it's just, I, out of all the ones I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this a lot, probably this is just such a perfect team up issue. It's absolutely perfect. Ugh. Yeah.
1: And the last thing I'll say about it is I have a soft spot for any story that has the World Trade Center as a main
0: oh, sure.
1: place I lived in New York during 9-11. So whenever I see it in this story, it means a little bit more to me. And it's it's also depicted beautifully in this issue.
0: That's a that's a really good point of how it would resonate. I see that. All
1: right. Well, I'm going to go
0: ahead and go on to one of my picks. Uh, this is one's a little bit uh, unusual. It took me a while to settle on it, but uh, I picked Superpowers, volume two, issue number four. So this is the Superpowers miniseries that tied in with the toy line. And issue number four specifically, it's covered dated December 1985. It's all about Superman and Firestorm teaming up. The issue itself is called There's No Place Like Rome, written by Paul Upperberg penciled by, wait for it, Jack Kirby. Yeah, that's right. Jack Kirby drew Firestorm. Did you know that, people? I don't know that you did. Inker is Greg Thiekson. So here's a quick recap. In an effort to stop Darkseid's seeds of doom, Superman and Firestorm team up. While at the Roman Colosseum, they find themselves in battle with a time-displaced Roman gladiator, and later, Darkseid's faithful minion, Steppenwolf. And Steppenwolf tries to goad our heroes into a trap by traveling back in time to ancient Rome, but our heroes do not follow through the trap. Instead, Superman flies himself and Firestorm back in time, using the Manus Tomorrow's own powers. While they're in ancient Rome, our heroes find themselves prisoners and battling in the Coliseum for the amusement of Emperor Nero. and In the end, Steppenwolf flees. Our heroes escape and return to the present where they find the Seed of Doom destroyed. The hero's choice to avoid Steppenwolf's trap actually starved the evil Seed, killing it, and thus saved the day. So, that is the story in a recap there. But the, the big headline here, folks, Jack Kirby drawing Firestorm. What? Yes, it is gorgeous. It looks awesome. And for me, I was so enamored with the Super Powers Firestorm figure. I still am. But I just thought the thing was so awesome that I completely adored this volume of the series. This It's volume two, that is. I, I didn't really have any patience for volume one for whatever reason, but volume two had Firestorm and Dr. Fate. Yeah, I'm sold. Go ahead, give it up right there. <laughs> I've got more to say, but what did you, what did you think of this comic? Because I, I kind of feel like, this one took me a while to settle on because I will say the story the story is freaking crazy folks it's not <laughs> it's not the greatest story in the world but artistically it's beautiful and there's some great team up moments so what did you think sir
1: I always remember these two superpowers miniseries because I had uh, one of my best friends lived across the street I could not get this k- kid into comics <laughs> I was mm-hmm. bringing him over showing him and I'm showing him great stuff great stuff he saw one of these superpowers lying on my bed and I was like oh it's kind of like a toy tie in and it's Kirby don't know. I don't know if you'd like it. It's not the modern kind of, he ate these up. He wanted <laughs> It was the one comic he got into. And uh, yeah, like you just to see Jack Kirby on characters like Firestorm, Red Tornado, Dr. Fate. It was such a treat for me. You, you'd seen his Superman before, although it's nice to see his Superman with his faces, not redone. Right. But, um, but to see him do these new characters relatively like uh Firestorm was amazing to me. And, uh, it, it was like that kind of I'm into crossovers and this was a kind of a, a creator crossover you know he had his little corner of the DC universe but he didn't uh really do a, a lot of the big guns so to see him with all the Justice Leaguers I thought that was a real treat and yes the story was crazy but <laughs> all those verse stories were crazy you know you knew that going in so
0: the, like the casualness with time travel cracks me up they're like oh we gotta go back to 68 AD let's go hey, a super Superman just wraps Firestorm in his cape. So, like, Firestorm's all, like, snuggle as a bug in a rug inside Superman's cape as they're flying through time. I mean, it's just nuts, but I don't care. I just, the art is beautiful, the pace is amazing, the visuals are exciting, it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Now, for me, and I'm going to ask you this question in a re- in a second, so get ready, what makes it a great team-up? Well, in this one, you get Superman, who's very experienced, and Firestorm is very much portrayed as a young hero. He really is unsure of himself. So, again, you sort of like the, we talked about in the other one, you get the Mentorship going on there, and then at the end, Firestorm helps Superman get rid of this Kryptonite that's holding Superman down. So he uses transmutation there, so that one you know shows them working together a little bit, or Firestorm helping Superman. So I like that. So, well, why do you think this issue makes a good team up?
1: Yeah, I, I also like that relationship, just as I pointed out in the first comic we were talking about. And the other part is, it reminded me of a Super Friends episode. <laughs> Uh, when Firestorm joined that show, he was suddenly the star of the show. Yeah, he was. <laughs> uh, this looks like one of their side episodes where a couple of them had to branch off together. So uh, uh, I hear the Super Friend voices in my head when I read this. <laughs> Mark uh,
0: Taylor, I think it was a, a Firestorm actor or Ronnie Raymond actor. If I have that wrong, I apologize. It's off the top of my head, I will say I strongly considered doing the Superpowers mini comic that came with the Firestorm action figure instead. Uh, I thought that might be a lot of fun but i stuck with a, a regular published comic book so that that's why i went this route all right what you got next
1: all right next on the docket is brave and the bold number 172 march of 1981 jerry conway again is the writer carmine infantino the artist with steve mitchell again on inks steve mitchell uh, inked Garcia Lopez in the first one and East Infantino here. Letters John Costanza, colors by Adrian Roy, and edited by Paul Levitz back when he was just a comic editor before mm-hmm. the whole thing. So Batman. Uh, is on a mission, and he sees Jason Bard staking out concordance research. Bard's investigating Martin Stein, who's just started working there, but is having strange disappearing uh, issues. Uh, we know it's because he turns into a firestorm, but... <gasps> ours- Spoilers! Uh-oh. <laughs> Batman, at the same time, is being following firestorm, who's having blackouts of his own. Is there a connection, Bard wonders? Hmm... Uh, Batman sees Firestorm, <laughs> tries to throw his bat rope on it, his little bat around it. Firestorm changes that to confetti, just goes on his way. Bard uh, sees him fail at this attempt to get Firestorm's attention, land, and wonders again to Batman about, is there a connection between my investigation and Stein and your investigation and Firestorm? Batman follows Firestorm in his car and remembers uh, when Uh, Firestorm at the JLA satellite was talking about his blackouts to the JLA members. Firestorm goes to Eastside General and steals these remote-controlled mechanical arms. Bard, meanwhile, goes to Stein's office and sees Ronnie's name in a Rolodex. Opened up, like that's the last person he called. Hmm. Batman follows Firestorm to Hudson Nuclear Facility. Firestorm enters the core. Batman follows in a containment suit. Firestorm's being controlled by a sentient nuclear form that says he was created in the same accident that created Firestorm. Batman wrestles and gets Firestorm to blast this nuclear form since, in Batman's mind, nuclear fusion is the opposite of nuclear fission. That's his plan. It works. <laughs> Firestorm snaps out of his trance and Batman warns him about Bart, who's chasing after him. But Batman still can't quite figure out the connection between Firestorm and Stein. Firestorm and Stein split up and they tell Bart, oh, the only reason we're hanging out together is for a school paper interview, silly. Bart says, "Okay," but I'm still kind of suspicious. And that's where the story ends. I don't know, did they ever continue that with Bard chasing down Firestorm? I don't know if that's ever referenced again. I don't remember in any other comics.
0: As far so, as I know, it's never, Bard chasing Firestorm is never referenced again. And I don't believe the sentient uh, Hudson Nuclear Power Plant is ever referenced again. Even though they go back to Hudson Plant or at least reference it a whole bunch, I don't believe they ever referenced the fact that it was sentient either. <laughs> Interesting.
1: So this is a crazy issue.
0: Yes, now, it is. <laughs>
1: I remember when I was a kid, when I would reread my Brave and the Bolds, like I said, it was my favorite series. This one I would skip because it was, wasn't was Jim Aparo art. It, was it, wasn't, Aparo it wasn't
0: Bob art. wasn't Bob Haney either.
1: Right. So it was very different. And so I haven't read this in probably four decades. So it was very interesting going back <laughs> there. It does have a, a, a Jim Aparo cover that I got to say as much as I love him, this is not one of his best in the series. Firestorm is all colored kind of yellow. You kind of lose him in the cover unless you get right up to it and he's got the, the writhing pain look on his face it's just not a very heroic look for firestorm fortunately Tim aparo would draw him again i think in the first issue of batman and the outsiders and you got a much better aparo Firestorm. yeah yeah um now the artwork here is by carmen infantino who was was great uh, with the Flash and everything. This was a little later when he was becoming more of the editor, didn't do as much of the interiors. And it's, a, it's, it's good. He makes a few uh, mistakes that you can't make with Firestorm. With Firestorm's flaming hair, you can never make it go lower than if he didn't have flames where the top of his head would be. Mm. Sometimes he does that. And I know what he's trying to do. It makes trying to make him look like he's going fast and the flames kind of dragging out behind him but it's under where his head would be. And it kind of looks like his head is concave or carved out or the <laughs> brain. It's very, <laughs> but I will say there's a couple touches. I do like, first of all, infantry, cityscapes are always awesome. And so mm-hmm. Whenever he does a wide shot with the city, I always love that. And he does a cool thing with Batman. Whenever he's running and casts a shadow, no matter what position he's making, jumping, running, standing, it's a full bat symbol shadow, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's just a nice touch.
0: I, I, I want to chime in on that real quick. When I was younger, I did not appreciate 1980s Infantino. Like I could see the, you know, the the, the 60s work and the 70s work, but the 80s Infantino, especially the like flash issues and like the later ones, like when Firestorm was yeah, back up. Those were, yeah, those were hard for me. But man, you know, when I read this here, I can still see some of those concerns, but man, Infantino—he knows how to convey movement. I mean, every time somebody's moving in this, it's really fluid, it's dynamic, it looks great. There's one great shot of Batman sliding down a marquee. He, he's he's wrapped his hand in his cape and he's literally breaking all of the bulbs in the marquee <laughs> to slow himself down, which is like a brilliantly cool move, and it looks great. And I'm just like, you know what, Infantino, I give you a hard time in this in this era of your career, but damn, you still got it. It's just you know, you know what you're doing.
1: Well, now there's one thing now I don't know if it's Infantino's fault or if it is Jerry Conway's fault, but mm-hmm. a real misfire in this. Or well, this goes into one of the questions you're going to ask me, what makes this a great team up? I might. Very, very little. <laughs> very, very little, unfortunately, is my answer. This is what Firestorm is in a trance, except for three panels. Oh. <laughs> and a flashback sequence, which she's only a couple panels there but it's three panels at the end where he's out of his trance so he's just like a zombie so you don't get any real interaction between him and batman he doesn't even notice batman almost the whole issue then you're like well at least we'll get a fight you know it's a reason for them to fight so when they finally get together batman switches into this containment suit and it's not a cool better get my bat containment suit outfit that would have been nice now he looks like the human bomb and it's the (laughs) whole final battle so when you finally get these two characters together you can't even tell it's batman it's such a strange decision i don't know why they did that especially when batman's known for having all his various suits maybe not in the early 80s i don't know he had rainbow costumes sure he did i don't know why they went this this Route, but you you can't tell he's Batman for like six or seven pages here. And
0: I got it, I got to say, under what makes it a good team up? One of the things I have is Batman riding Firestorm like a bucking bronco. I mean, that is.
1: <laughs> but how Regardless- much cooler would that be in the Batman? It's there. fair
0: that is fair i'll give you that it would have been cooler but it's still pretty awesome it's it's hysterical is what, oh, is what I, it is
1: that's the second most hysterical moment between the two with, with batman he's so bold and brash in this issue when he's like oh there's firestorm i'll just hook my batarang cable right around his shoulder as he's flying by <laughs> like that, that's so annoying <laughs> like why would you do that what was what, your plan there and, well, uh, they even
0: talk about he, he's so used to doing it, he, he's doing it unconsciously. He's not even thinking about it. the throw. He's so used to doing this. Right.
1: <laughs> and uh, there's another great, brash Batman moment that I love. And especially because he's so braggy, this one. It's in the flashback scene where, you know, Firestorm storms off and they're saying, why are you asking us all blackouts? And he's like, forget it, gang. And he, he, they say, oh, wow, he's touchy. And they said, if only we could do something about this. And Batman says, I'll find out what's going on. Superman says, do you think you can? And here's Batman. I'm a detective and I'm good at what I do. Now. (laughs) This is 1981. Is that before Fire, Before Wolverine first said, I'm the best at what I do? Oh, that's funny. I'm thinking Wolverine took Batman's line here because, and he's got such a cocky look. But then, guess what? He cannot put the pieces... He's worse than Lois Lane. He can't figure out the connection between <laughs> Firestorm and Sonic. He still doesn't have it figured out by the end here. And it's... Uh, so, he's, he's bragging about being the greatest detective. You know what his detective work is in this comic? He's just driving around in the back Batmobile, it, it looking at Firestorm in the sky and following him around.
0: I'm like, I mean, I could probably do that. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up the Batmobile. I got to talk about that. So, the Batmobile's in New York, right? And as he's doing, as you said, detective work, which is just basically following someone. Um, I like to think about this. Like, the Batmobile's in New York. That means Batman had to drive it from <laughs> yeah. Gotham to New York. And I'm just imagining him, like, on the freeway, stuck in a traffic jam. Like, and some little kids in the car next to him just keeps waving to him every five minutes. And Batman's just, like, hanging his head in disgust because he's stuck in a traffic jam traffic jam. I like I'd to like, think that's what happened.
1: I'd like to think he's got a, a spare in a rain warehouse in New York. He's got to have spares scattered throughout the country because, yeah, that is ridiculous. You can't just go on a cross-country mission.
0: Don't take my fun away.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I
0: honestly, say I was surprised to see this issue on your list just because it is so bonkers. Like, I usually skip this issue, too. Like, the sentient nuclear power plant, it's just so bizarre. You know, it, specifically because it's tied to Firestorm's origin. If it was just a throwaway character or whatever, but the fact that it's tied to Firestorm's origin, uh, by default, makes it important, and yet it's never referenced again because it's ridiculous so it's uh that's a that's a tough one to swallow but again there are things to love and we've talked about a lot of those i i do think that as far as making a good team up there if there is a good nugget of a thought there tying the hudson nuclear power plant and bringing batman into the investigation i think that's a pretty cool way to do to make a functioning team up so i'll give it i'll give it props for that
1: yes has good bones but some of the execution i have questions about.
0: there we go all right well, let's move on next so next pick is for me Captain Adam, number 11, cover dated January 1988. This is during the beloved Millennium miniseries. <laughs> uh, and this is a team-up between Captain Adam and the Blank Slate version of Firestorm. So this is the version of Firestorm that has no memories and is composed of Ronnie and Mikhail. but uh, the Firestorm doesn't really know that. The issue itself is entitled A Matter of Choice. The writers are Carrie Bates and Greg Wiseman. Penciler is Pat Broderick. Inker is Bob Smith. little brief recap is, at this point in the Millennium story, Firestorm has been brainwashed and believes that he should be helping the Manhunters. This brings him to the swamp and into conflict with Captain Adam. Firestorm traps Captain Adam with a sphere of energy, and at the same time, the clock is ticking away as a nearby bomb is soon going to explode and kill the Suicide Squad. Captain Adam's trying to reason with Firestorm by telling him all these tales of his own past, but Firestorm's already aware that much of Captain Adam's history is simply government propaganda and lies. Captain Atom decides to come clean, and tells Firestorm his true history, and thus convinces the nuclear man to trust Captain Atom. Together, they absorb the excess energy from the explosion, which contains the blast, allowing the Suicide Squad to escape the swamp. So I thought long and hard before I picked this one because I really wasn't sure given that it's, you know, it's not a traditional Firestorm issue. It's the Blank Slate version. I do kind of like the idea of picking uh, team ups from all the different various eras of Firestorms. I like having the Blank Slate version represented here. But for me, uh, a couple different things. First of all, Broderick on the art. This is Pat Broderick drawing Firestorm, which is never, ever, ever a bad thing. And yet this is the Blank Slate Firestorm, which has a slightly different look in the face, and Broderick does a great job capturing that. Like, Like, I expected Broderick just to draw the traditional firestorm but no he goes out of his way to draw the blank slate firestorm i loved it what did you think of the story
1: yeah i i agree with that its uh, i mean you can even tell like from the back that it's not the same firestorm uh so he does a really great job with this i thought yeah you've got the double whammy of it not only being the blank slate firestorm but the blank slate firestorm who's kind of under the manhunter's influence a little bit so he I feel very much of a guest star in a Captain Atom story, especially Mm. all the flashbacks are Captain Atom. But this is a great issue. I think, I don't know if Firestorm was more popular than Captain Atom, but I think they felt like, okay, we're going to get some Firestorm readers. We're going to come over here. And also just because it was a Millennium crossover, I think he said it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a lot of crossover readers. So this, even though it's issue 11, feels very much almost like a first issue for Captain Atom because we've got so much of his history there, real and false. So I think it's a great primer for Captain Adam. Firestorm looks great, but uh, Captain Adam gets all the great lines and great action in this. Firestorm kind of just resists and then joins and, you know, right at the end, they're finally together. But uh, it's more a Captain Adam story than Firestorm, but I really enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, that's fair. It really, you're right. It does make a great primer for Captain Adam. In fact, this is probably where I learned Captain Adam's origin. Like, I didn't read his regular series. Uh, and so being a Firestorm reader, I would have came. I did come and pick up this issue so this is probably exactly where I picked up all the details in Captain I never really thought about it that way
1: now, me, I, have I have a question for you yeah does it end on page 21 or is it, am I missing a, a page at the end here because it, it seems like a very abrupt ending they both kind of explode and then that's it I don't see the end or anything so oh know. you
0: must not have the last page uh, the last page is the explosion happens and then they uh, firestorm turns the excess radiation to snow and they kind of have this really great page so you missed a really good page uh,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so like that's kind of a, a rough
0: ending. Yeah, they, they have a great conversation about them working together. And Firestorm talks about why he trusts Captain Adam now. And they, uh, he explains all of that. And then Captain Adam says, you know what? Uh, he's At the end, his last line, he says, superhero school is now back in session. Basically, they have resolved their differences. And they see each other as really good allies now. So, yeah, I can, actually, without this last page, you might not see the benefit of the team up here. Because this hey, is where yeah, it all kind of happens. That's not key. So yeah, in fact, that was what I was about to say. Is one of the, one of the things I love about this issue is this issue is a lot of talky, talky, talky. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's one big conversation between Captain Adam and Firestorm, and by the end, whoops, sorry, you didn't see it. Uh, Captain Adam is actually making a, a really good mentor for the Blank Slate Firestorm because Firestorm just doesn't know what to do as a hero at this point. This is very early in the uh, in the uh, Blank Slate era, and it, it, the fact that they got this chance to talk, I think it actually helps push the Firestorm character forward at this point. So I I feel like. Was a great team up from that perspective. So while it is, you're right, probably a better showcase for Captain Adam, I feel like they both benefited from it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And especially now to you explain that last page.
0: <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right. So what story you got next?
1: Okay. We're back to DC Comics Presents. This is number 45 from May of 1982, written by Jerry Conway. Art is by Rich Buckler with Bob Smith on inks. Ben Oda does letters. Gene D'Angelo on colors and edited by Julia Schwartz. So this one starts with Superman smashing through a plane with a couple guys stealing computer components and a plutonium power pack. Christopher Cross... And his pilot, they eject out of there. Superman blows their parachutes towards an American aircraft carrier so they don't uh, go out of his jurisdiction. But Cross is zapped on the way by lightning. Superman didn't plan that one out. Superman <laughs> brings him to a hospital and he's still threatening the poor guy. He's like, and I'm going to get you if you try to leave. The guy's just been zapped by lightning. Superman brings him in for the medical treatment. Firestorm, meanwhile, has just stopped a robbery and turns back to Ronnie and Stein. Just then, Stein gets arrested for uh, sharing an office with uh, the previously mentioned Chris Cross. The uh, feds think he may be an accomplice. Ronnie is so distracted by that, the next day he's uh, messing up his basketball game. He turns to Firestorm to find Superman for help with this problem. Meanwhile, we go to the USS Rayburn, which is experiencing power surges And two planes take off on their own. Firestorm goes to see Clark Kent, who he asks if he can find Superman. Clark Kent reveals his identity. I am Superman. What the? They go to Gibraltar, where the jets that flew off on their own are targeting a nuclear sub. Superman explodes uh, missiles with a sonic boom. Firestorm zaps one of the jets. Superman returns to the aircraft carrier with crisscross in full villain form, announces himself and zaps superman firestorm turns a cloud to metal clashes the second jet crisscross forms a sky beam that connects all satellites together to give him more power firestorm breaks the connection to that sky beam long enough for superman to get the one good punch in they end the story by messing with the fbi by having the missing stein and ronnie reappear in front of them they they love that gag he's done that in a couple of these <laughs> And uh, the closing box announces Firestorm is coming in his own series, which I was very excited about. I remember getting this issue and I saw the new logo. I'm like, what's this? The Fury of Firestorm? The new ah. Man? I'm like, that's a fancy new logo. And I didn't realize till I got to the last page. Pre-internet days, you could be surprised by stuff like this. But <laughs> his own series just in a couple of months. So that was very exciting. And, and like I said, I was like, oh, you know, I've been following him here and there. But I'm like, no. Now I can follow, get a number one issue with him. Um, and uh, hopefully this will run longer than five issues for like the last one. So I was, again, very excited to have a character I could follow from the beginning of the character and the beginning of their particular series. Uh, another great issue. Beautiful uh, Rich Buckler artwork. So good. And uh, the secret identity moment is great with Superman yeah. feeling it. I have to love the sky beam. I mean, excuse me, it's in every other movie now. <laughs> a full sky beam in this issue, so. I thought that was very good. Uh, Buckler has some great, great splash pages. I especially love the first uh, double splash page where you super, see Superman crash right through the, the plane that's trying to steal the plutonium and swoops and then kind of flies right in front of us, the viewer. It's It's just a beautiful way to depict his power in the air and uh yeah we were talking about uh favorite firestorm artists you know buckler he's no slouch he really does a great job i really especially liked how he um depicted uh martin stein's floating head some people do that better than others i thought he did it really well uh the <laughs> design on crisscross's costume He's ten years too early. This one looks like it should have been in a nineties costume.
0: It, <laughs> it, it's very much of its time, yeah. I That's
1: don't good. know that we ever saw him again either.
0: Another we didn't we
1: did not. <laughs> But uh, but a very fun issue, and you know, and I'm, I'm loving seeing the, um, the growing relationship between Superman and Firestorm through all these different team-ups as well. Yeah, I like
0: how we, we've got a lot of Superman stories to cover here, so you can kind of see that uh, fostering grow and the mentorship and things like that. Now, for me, this issue felt like a Superman story guest starring Firestorm. It feels like the reverse of the other DC Comics Presents. I don't know if you saw that as well.
1: Uh, no, nope. felt like a team up to me. Okay, fair, enough. fair it was, enough. It was more of a Superman style story. It was more of a case that he'd be on. Then I'd say a Firestorm one, but um, but I think Firestorm gets plenty of action in this.
0: Oh, he definitely gets the action. I just felt like you could have, other than Martin Stein being caught for espionage, which was a pretty cool subplot, you, I felt like you could have stuck any hero in this story. But okay. I'm glad it was still Firestorm. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was really good. It was interesting, uh, a couple different things. Uh, I mentioned the espionage stuff. I really, really, really dug the espionage stuff in this story. Like You don't get to see that with Superman too often, because it's usually, who can he fight that's his power level? Well, the, him going after after After, you know, uh, foreign agents uh, committing espionage against the United States was pretty cool. Then I can't go without mentioning uh, the uh, the bad guy in this is Crisscross. Cross. Well, Crisscross Cross also happens to be the name of the first artist on the Jason Rush run of Firestorm. So a little interesting quote. Oh, there, that's there. right. Yep. So you mentioned Superman revealing a secret identity. At first, I was like, what? It's like, you know, is that fair to stick this in sort of a throwaway one-off team-up comic? But then I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know what? Jerry Conway does write the JLA. And the whole point of what he's saying is as Firestorm being a member of the JLA, is entitled to know the secret identity. So I guess Conway was entitled.
1: But Firestorm hasn't revealed his identity to most of the JLA because we'll find that in a later issue. Yes, so, we will. Yeah, Superman's the, the the first one to open that door.
0: Yep. So I'll ask, what makes this a great team-up comic?
1: Well, again, it's the, the two characters who have, I've seen and uh, this is our third one so far, although I think yours was a little later in the timeline than this one. But I love seeing the ongoing relationship between Superman and Firestorm. Superman definitely has... You know, he invited him to join the JLA. Now he's giving him his secret identity. You know, he's really putting a lot of uh, faith in Ronnie and uh, I think helps build his character as a hero. You know, he's the new guy on the block and to have like the top guy have so much confidence in him. I think it's he was ready for his own series after this uh, team up with Superman.
0: I like to think that when Superman goes to the JLA and says, "Hey, I've invited Firestorm to join the team," and Batman says, "So we're taking in teenagers who are inexperienced." In why was I never allowed to have Robin on the JLA? <laughs> but but for me, the great what makes this team up great is uh, they do this dual perils situation where Superman's battling Crisscross and Firestorm's up in space battling the satellite network, and and really it's Ronnie and the professor are together up there because, you know, Ronnie's doing all the flying around and shooting, but Stein's giving you advice on how to work at the satellite. So I just feel like it was a great team up in that regard where there were dual perils and both pieces were vitally important to saving the day. So I really enjoyed that aspect.
1: And I, I have to point out yet another chapter in the ongoing saga of Ronnie screwing up basketball game. <laughs> he's distracted. he's missing shots. It's the second time in a row. And uh, we're going to see that come to a head in a future issue. But uh, I love that uh, Jerry has weaved that through all of his issues there. So poor Ronnie, man. All he wanted to do was play basketball. But uh, that Firestorm career gets in the way every time.
0: Jerry was the master of subplots, he was he was brilliant with that, and running him through uh, issues.
1: Another uh, Marvel feeling that was. Yeah. Uh, more of a Marvel feeling than I usually got in my
0: DC cars. Absolutely. All right. So my next pick. So in keeping with that same theme where I was trying to pick at different incarnations of Firestorm, we've talked about the sort of classic Firestorm. We've talked about the blank slate version. Well, now I'm going to recommend a story from the elemental Firestorm period. For those of you who just turned up your nose, just, just sit down and listen. All right. Okay. The elemental Firestorm is a lot to love here. So, all right. Uh, Firestorm issues number 90 through 93. So this actually covers four issues. So my recap's a little bit longer. But I was covered in October 1989 through January 1990. In this, in this story, which is called The Elemental War, Firestorm teams up with Red Tornado and the Swamp Thing. So it's a big elemental connection. All right, so here's the recap. Near an Alaskan oil rig, a radical environmentalist is murdered, and then she is resurrected as the new water elemental called Naiad. She rises from the sea and destroys the oil rig. Meanwhile, Firestorm, who's now Earth's new fire elemental, has been struggling with his own inner conflict. Should he cleanse the Earth with fire and exterminate all of mankind for their polluting of the planet, or should he help mankind instead? I mean, he's really struggling with this issue. Well, Firestorm hears about the oil rig, so he shows up there and ends up in battle against Nyad, the water elemental, and Red Tornado, the air elemental who has shown up, as uh, as Nyad and Red Tornado declare war on humanity. The elementals bury Firestorm at the bottom of the sea, leaving him trapped. Then, while Firestorm's down there, he is contacted by Mother Earth herself. Uh, she goes by the name Maya. She wants wants the Fire Elemental to guide humanity and not harm it. So this has given Firestorm a new mission. So Firestorm is then rescued from the bottom of the sea by the Swamp Thing, who is the Earth Elemental. So now we've got fire, earth, water, and air. Meanwhile, Red Tornado and Naya devastate a city in Japan and begin to head for Tokyo. Firestorm and Swamp Thing come to an understanding and head to Tokyo to stop Red Tornado and Nyad. Swamp Thing grows to a massive shield of vegetation to cover the entire city of Tokyo and protect it, while Firestorm convinces Red Tornado and Nyad to end their war on humanity. The elementals all go their separate ways, and in the end, Firestorm warns the human race to quit polluting the Earth, otherwise the elementals of Earth will strike back. Oof. Alright, so... First things first. I know a lot of people don't like the Elemental Firestorm. I know a lot of people complain and say, oh, well, it's an interesting story. I just wish they hadn't done it with Firestorm. Fine. All of that is has merit. But if you just ignore those complaints for now about the changing him into an Elemental and you get past that and just focus on the story that uh, John Ostringer and Tom Mandrake told here, they are freaking fantastic. I mean, these are mature comics, people. I don't mean it's mature as in it's like naked people and explosions. I mean it's mature as in it makes you think. This comic is very environmentally conscious. You know, for the first few issues, the protagonist of the series was seriously considering exterminating the entire human race and cleansing the Earth with fire. That's not something you're going to find in, like, Hero Hotline. You know, that's, it's pretty big. Uh, and then the whole thing ends on this really bold, strong message where Firestorm tells the people of Earth to quit poisoning the planet. If this thing had been published just a few years later, I think this could have ended up with a mature reader's tag and
1: been part of Vertigo.
0: So, yeah. that's my soapbox on that elemental Firestorm. Sorry, guys. But, what did you think of this story?
1: Well, let me tell you. I was one of those readers where I had left Firestorm by this point because I was like, who's this guy? He's got the same name. He's a different person. He looks different, different power. You know, I was like, they changed too much about the comic. So I left it. So I had never read these issues until just the other day. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I wasn't sure what to make of him in. And I also remember thinking at the time, I was like, Tom Mandrake on Firestorm? He doesn't really fit. And uh, he would later go on to do also with John Ostrander, The Spectre, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the most amazing series. One of the best series from the 90s, easily. The first two years on that are like perfection, but that entire run, the issues are great. So I truly began to uh, appreciate him a lot more. But I skipped these issues at the time and I had a ball reading these issues. I love the wide-screen storytelling in this. Mm -hmm. So many splash pages. Each issue has like six or so, but all well done, none of them gratuitous. You needed them to tell this story. I mean, we're dealing with elementals here. You couldn't have tiny, tight little panels. That's not this story. So I never felt like, oh, they wanted to sell the original art from this page. And that, that's what it, they always served the story and, and served it well. It made it look like Firestorm directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And I thought Mandrick did a great swamp thing. I liked the design of all the characters. Really well done. My main takeaway was this will never happen in a million years unless I become a billionaire and take over the company, but this should be DC's next animated movie. Adapt these four issues. It's so widescreen. I'm like, I want to see this animated when I was reading the whole thing.
0: Oh, wow. That would be amazing. You're right. That would be incredible. Incredible. So the environmental issue, did you feel like it was like too preachy or did it seem, does it, you know, we're sitting here, what, 30 years later, does it still resonate? You know, what'd you think of that part?
1: You know what, it didn't stand out to me because we read so much of that kind of stuff nowadays. And I guess at the time, yeah, it was kind of more new and unique. So maybe if I had read those at the time, they would have stood out to me right now. Now it felt just like a great theme for our story.
0: That's great. So for me, uh, what makes this a great team up comic is uh, the fire elemental really comes into his own in this story. You know, he had been the fire elemental for a few issues. It was kind of trying to figure out what he was going to do, what his mission was going to be. And here he finally gets on the path. We also get to see him side by side with Swamp Thing, who's been long established as the earth elemental. So it almost feels like it kind of gives Firestorm a little bit of legitimacy as the fire. Fire Elemental. And I love also the reminders of Firestorm and Red Tornado's past friendship, you know, because uh, they're both have been completely transformed from where they used to be. And back when they used to be, you know, a little bit kind of buddies and you get to see him here in the new form. And it just, I feel like it was a great team up. I, I really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I, I like seeing Red Tornado level up so much. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen him that powerful in a comic before. Well, you know, I think he's
0: always been that powerful. Like whenever they do the Tornado Tyrant and the Tornado Champion and everything. But no one's ever harnessed it. No one's ever wrote it properly, I think is what it is. I think he's probably always been this powerful, but no one's ever really gotten how to do it. And Tom andre got it. I mean, he really got it. So, all right. For all you Elemental Firestorm haters out there, please, I implore, just try Firestorm number 90 through 93. It's on DC Universe Infinite so you don't even have to pay for it if you got the subscription. Just go re- give it a try. And if you hate it, fine, put it in the comments you hate it. Whatever. But it is so good. I love it. All right, man, I went long there. I'm sorry. I got really I got really excited. All right, your turn. What's up, buddy? What you got? All right,
1: this one is actually a two-parter. First issue sets up the team up and second is the team up the Firestorm 3 and 4 from August and September of 1982. Creative teams on both issues are the same. Jerry Conway writing. Pat Broderick on art uh, with Rodin Rodriguez inking. Uh, Todd Klein with letters. Colorist is Jean D'Angelo. And Len Wein is the editor. Okay, the first issue, Ronnie tracks down John Raven Hare's grandfather's killers. That's Black Bison's, you and me, from the earlier issues. Ronnie almost goes too far, capturing one guy. It looks like he's going to kill him for a second, kind of worrying. Professor Stein, at uh, the funeral for John Raven Hare's grandfather, uh, he gets in a fight with Lorraine for disappearing all the time. Meanwhile... Killer Frost is out of trial, being thawed again. They obviously didn't read the earlier issues. This is never a good idea. <laughs> he immediately attacks everyone. They were very right to have misgivings about doing it. Meanwhile, we look in at Ronnie. He's still snapping at his friends. He goes home. Dad slaps him right in the face because he got finally got kicked off the basketball team. We've seen this coming for years. Ronnie's had enough. He fazams away. Killer Frost uh, taps into the Bronx Reservoir to freeze the entire city. A brooding firestorm finally... Snaps out of his own worldview and notices the entire town is getting frozen. He catches up with uh, Killer Frost at City Hall. She demands obedience from him, or the city stays frozen. That's our cliffhanger. The next issue Killer Frost demands Firestorm bring him an actor named Kurt Noland, clearly based on Burt Reynolds. Woohoo! Smokey and the Bandit, baby. Which means Firestorm has eight hours to fly over to Hollywood and bring him back. so.
0: He's got to bring all the Coors beer from LA to New York in time. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> before before uh, Smokey catches him.
1: <laughs> so he's kind of foolish on Killer Frost's part because Firestorm has plenty of time to plan. So he meets with the JLA, but they instantly want to take over. We'll take it from here. says, no way, this is my city. And lashes out and cases. You got the Superman, Zatanna, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, Red Tornado. He encases Superman and Zatanna in spheres. Finally, both sides cool down and agree, okay, we'll let Firestorm make the plan. Back at the satellite, Firestorm changes, finally revealing his ID to the rest of the team. He leaves Stein there so he can create a large enough Thermafrost freezer that they can use to defeat Killer Frost with Ronnie and Red Tornado uh, go to get Kurt Noland, but Kurt wants no part of it, so they give up on that plan. But somehow, Firestorm and Kurt, in quotes, meet Killer Frost. She buys it for a second, but quickly figures out it's Red Tornado being disguised by Firestorm. Well, Firestorm keeps her distracted, fighting her, while Red Tornado, their backup plan, has activated the frost, which he's hidden inside his robotic frame. They defeat Killer Frost, the mayor thanks them, and they end on a couple Steve Martin references. (laughs) So strange. Uh, It's it's a very, yeah, it's a very different relationship than we just saw, but uh, uh, it's a great last panel. They're both giving a thumbs up and each one says their favorite Steve Martin line. (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but you gotta love it.
0: Red Tornado going, well, excuse (laughs) excuse me. It's just like,
1: what? (laughs) It's brilliant. In a way. So, but yeah, the, of course, the best thing about these issues is that blossoming friendship between Red Tornado and Firestorm. Uh, as a kid, I loved Red Tornado. I, I I wished he had his own series. And so it was always nice to see him get a showcase here. You know, I was glad the whole Justice League was there, but that the, this was truly a Red Tornado, Firestorm team up. was great. One thing, yes, we see the trope of there's a brief fight before the the heroes all get along. But there's no misunderstanding here. The only reason they got in a fight is because everybody's being a jerk. Okay, (laughs) you you got the Justice League being all snotty. We'll take it over. you You know, it's like when the FBI comes in and... Takes over from the local police kind of thing, and but then Ronnie, you know, so he's he's allowed to be a little insulted by that, but then he takes it way too far and just starts, you know, wrapping kryptonite balls around Superman, and so, you know, he really escalates it before beyond where it needs to go. So. There's a lot of jerks. Fortunately, they all realize this pretty quickly, but uh, come on, you guys, you're, you're working again. I, mean, they, I, I think it's a, it's a good moment then a little bit later on when he reveals his uh, secret identity and says, okay, maybe we'll start off on a better foot now that everybody knows who everybody is. But beautiful, beautiful uh, covers on both of these issues. Uh, you got Giordano, Inks, or Roderick, and two of my favorite covers in in the series Justice League looks great. I love his take on Hawkman. Just gorgeous and uh you know his Killer Frost is is perfect. I love these covers and the interiors are great. Roden Rodriguez uh he's probably my favorite anchor with broderick uh in this series and uh once again he does an awesome job i love his take on red tornado too and love the big splash page where ronnie first attacks all the justice league that was always like man i gotta find the original arc to that someday but you don't have the money for that.
0: I got to chime in on the Roden Rodriguez thing. I, and looking at a lot of the comics I've read, getting ready for this, the inking specifically on Free Fire Firestorm number four, the one with the JLA, is freaking astonishing. It is some of the cleanest Firestorm work I've ever seen. It is just breathtaking. I'm looking at it digitally on the DC Infinite app and just looking at the black, you know, like you kind of, you know, in your mind, you just take out the color and you look at the blacks and how clean it is and how detailed it is and the life and the emotion the expression I mean it's great pencils and great inks it is a perfect marriage it is one of the most beautiful issues uh, around so I just had to chime in there and add that on top of what you said
1: and lest you not believe how much I love these issues I direct you no further to issue 6 we're on the letters page you will find a letter from Ron Ross Pearsall so <gasps> you pointed this out in an early issue it's in my letter about issue three and we've, we've talked before about uh, how this is like a Marvel comic well my letter was all about telling them to be careful don't make him too much like Peter Parker I like the reality and the realism but don't give him too many problems I always thought Peter Parker could it could be a little depressing reading those Spider-Man comics because he never got a damn break so I was like, don't lean too hard into that. That was my, my warning to the uh, writers of Firestorm, uh, my, uh, I think, 13-year-old letter writing self. That is awesome. We've had a few different Firestorm
0: letter hacks on the show or just mentioned that we've known a few people, but I think you're the earliest one. I mean, this is early. This is, you know, 81, 82. This is great. Awesome, man. Um, I, I I, completely forgot about things. Yeah, we did correspond about that when I covered the issue all those years ago on the show. That is awesome. Thank you for reminding me of that.
1: Uh, I'll read it. It's just, it's a very short letter. It says, Dear Firestormers, after reading FOF number three, I must say that I was happy not only to see Killer Frost, but also to see a bit of reality in the book. Sure, sure, I like the happy-go-lucky attitude of our hot-headed hero, but what I'm thriving for is reality. So you can probably guess, I like Ronnie Raymond to have problems. But I must warn you, of a dreaded disease the writers of this competition's book have caught. They've given a certain Peter Parker two- many problems. Poor old Petey's life is overrun with them. Nothing goes right for him. Please don't catch this disease. disease and I'm sure your comic will be a success. And they say, don't worry, Ross. We've had our sh- shots and boosters months ago. So I was thrilled. <laughs> this, this was actually my second letter published Prohibition Storm. I was published in issue five, too. Um, that one, I just did a little cheesy poem that I was just trying to see if I could get published so i prefer this letter it's an actual letter of uh, comment so
0: that is amazing and it ties right into what we're talking about today so dude that is so awesome i am absolutely thrilled and i'm really really glad you picked these issues because if you hadn't picked these i would have these are some of my favorite team-ups and issue number three was one of the earliest ones i bought in my collection and i just used to stare at that cover because it's gorgeous it's awesome and you know the parallel too of, of killer frost being in the original number three and then this one number three it just it fits well and, and you made the joke earlier about the you know, thawing out Killer Frost. It really, in some ways, it does feel like a continuation of DC Comics Presents number 17. I mean, there's a there's a lot of similarities there. And uh, Oh, what else? Oh, just just running through my notes as quick as I can here. Um, so the Burt Reynolds guy, Kurt Holland, which cracks me up. Just his whole behavior, the whole thing about it. Clearly, this is commentary from Jerry uh, Conway and his experience working in Hollywood at the time. Uh, he's talking to me a little bit about his time in Hollywood, and there's some crazy stories there, so I, that has absolutely got to be commentary on some of the egos out there i have no doubt
1: oh that's great
0: so you talked about firestorm and red Tornado's uh connection and the buddiness i'm I'm guessing that's your what makes this a great team up is that fair
1: oh yeah definitely definitely and you you move him forward with the justice league i like the identity reveal scene there as well
0: for me, the part I love the most about the team up is when Ronnie, not Firestorm, but Ronnie teams up with a red tornado in Hollywood, and Professor Stein is back at the satellite with the Justice League implementing his plan. Uh, and then they eventually put a red tornado's body. I love that both Ronnie and the professor got time outside of the composite figure to do some stuff with the Justice League. That's that's what I that's what I love.
1: Definitely a plus. He finally got Stein on his own. Uh to uh, get a moment to shine without Ronnie, which is great.
0: Yeah. Such a great team. I'm so glad you brought that one to the table. All right, again, continuing my trend of picking different incarnations of Firestorm, I have picked one from the Jason Rush era. So this is Firestorm number 20, cover dated February 2006. It was an Infinite Crisis tie-in. Don't hold that against it. Uh, It is uh, the Jason Rush Firestorm teaming up with Animal Man. Now, this version of Jason, it was when he was sort of had a rotating number of different hosts uh, that he would pair with. In this case, he's paired with his best friend Mick. And the issue itself is called Sacred Duties, and it is written by Stuart Moore, penciled by Jamal Igle, and inker is Rob. Stull. And I will say, uh, you know, the Jason era has a lot of different feelings from a lot of different people on it. But I will tell you, once Stuart Moore and Jamal Eigel took over this book, the book soared. It is so good. It feels like a classic kind of firestorm with a teenage kid trying to find his way. He partners with Professor Stein eventually. I mean, it is the the Stuart Moore Jamal Eigel run is the closest we ever got. I would say to anyone with the Jerry Conway run, it is it's it's that sort of teenage angst with a with a mentor kind of thing. It's that good. So, all right, here we go. So the issue opens with a very unusual collection of heroes flying through space on a mission, I don't know, related to Infinite Crisis, and we don't care. Uh, During the trip, Starfire asks, what is war? And then she goes on to explain how war sweeps people up, how it goes beyond control, and how it changes people. Further along in the journey, Firestorm and Animal Man, Animal Man, they mount a rescue mission to help a spaceship that comes from the planet Ran, you know, like uh, Adam Strange Ran, and uh, the spaceship's been heavily damaged. Suddenly, a fleet of Thanagarian war cruisers arrive, having chased the Ran spaceship. So Firestorm and Animal Man find themselves in the middle of a space war. It turns out that the refugees from the planet Ran have committed an act of war by kidnapping a hawk, an actual bird, from the Thanagarians. This is a very rare and nearly extinct species of Hawk on Thanagar. Firestorm and Animal Man try to sort out the conflict uh, and the damaged ship. However, the scientist from RAN, in a rage, he murders the Hawk just despite the Thanagarians. So, in the end, Firestorm discovers what war is. He discovers that war is death, that both sides are wrong, and that the innocent pay the price. Oof, man, it ended on a sad note, but what a powerful issue. You know, I'll ask you first, what did you think of this one?
1: I enjoyed it. It's a very much, like you said, It's a, it feels like in the middle of one of those big intercompany crossovers that are going on. So it's a little confusing.
0: Yeah.
1: It's in the media rest. I also thought it was in a comment on this within the story, animal man in space. <laughs> it's just a weird place to put that character. Right. But uh I really was with you. I wasn't sure what to think about uh Jason Rush. You know, I was like, where's my Ronnie? Where's my Ronnie? When Jamal Igel uh, took over this series uh on art and then with more on the writing. Yes. It really came alive. It made me a, a fan. Of Jason. I like his costume here too. I, I really like the art nice thick lines mm-hmm. really works well. My only misgiving in this era is, is his friend who's his mentor. How, how long did that last? Like, uh, I I was like, I don't even remember when this other guy was the floating head.
0: Oh, Mick? It was like two issues and then Mick dies, actually. Right. Yeah. It did, oh, did they kill him off? He got eaten by the Matrix itself. Oh, the Firestorm right. Matrix actually eats him. It's horrible.
1: Whoa, that's terrible. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, Sorry. I, I was like, they're, they're, they're almost a little too close in personality. I thought that it loses something, you know. I like to have the, the Firestorm Matrix to have people from very divergent personalities. I think that makes it more interesting. But uh, for two issues, I can deal with that. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's it's very much uh, an issue that doesn't really stand on its own. <laughs> I feel like I'd have to be re- reading this whole crossover that's part of. But I do like the themes in it. I was very surprised that they killed that hawk at the end, too. Oh, horrible. Uh, you know, war is hell, man. <laughs> this, this story certainly illustrates it, but... I do like the relationship between him and Animal Man, even though it's very strange of Animal Man in space where he can't really use his powers. But.
0: Well, I think I, I think it's kind of why I like it. Is I love Animal Man, and I love how he even says in the comic, he says you know strange stuff happens around me, and sure enough, it does here too. You know, Animal Man gets kind of possessed by the battle lust of this bird, and I, I like that aspect. I like seeing Fire um, Jason specifically and Buddy together because they're both really nice guys. This is that's part of my what makes it a great team up. Is and, and first of all, anytime Animal Man partners with another superhero, it's great but as uh Jason is learning from Animal Man to some extent and again because they're both Jason and Buddy are such nice guys they make an interesting duo i kind of like that so if, as far as what what goes wrong here in the war is hell thing i mean it's it is it's complete gut punch when that bird is murdered and they show in war both sides are horribly wrong you know the Thanagarians have invaded Ron the Ron scientists stole this nearly extinct bird i mean they're both just horrible sides of this of this battle it's terrible uh you, know, you mentioned the the better mentor there is a page where Professor Stein shows up. This is actually... Uh, this is what Stuart Moore was doing, why he took Firestorm into space, is this is all leading to Professor Stein coming back. And at one point, he's talking to Mick, and suddenly Professor Stein's face appears, and Stein actually says, Ronald, something terrible is about to happen. And then it goes away. And, and even Jason's like, what was that? Who was that guy? And it was all leading up to Stein coming back, which was great. So I, the Mick stuff was actually a little funny, because, you know, if you think about the team-up team up aspect, there are other heroes in the issue, and there's this whole bit where Mick, uh, in, in the Firestorm Matrix, is... He's basically acting like a horny 12-year-old because Starfire is there and, you know, basically almost wearing nothing. And Mick has just got his tongue hanging out. and He's like, oh, my God, let's let's wrestle with her some more. And, you know, the 12-year-old me couldn't help but laugh. I just thought it was kind of funny. But all in all, I just feel like for me, it was a really powerful issue and it was moving. And you're right. It is part of Infinite Crisis, but I feel like it can be read on its own because it's really just that one story about that small little battle and him teaming up with uh, Animal Man and what happened with the Hawk. So I think it works as a standalone.
1: I don't know. I do like the moment right at the beginning, too, where he's training with Starfire. Because, you know, you automatically think, oh, you get superpowers. You know how to do, you know, hand-to-hand combat. (laughs) But but you don't. they go to train. So if you don't have Ted Grant around, Starfire is probably a great person to train with.
0: Yeah, especially. Yeah, very much so. All right. So what story you got next? Okay. This is your your last one, right?
1: Right. Okay. And finally, my first non-Jerry Conway story. (laughs) And... we have the power company, Woo-hoo. number eleven, February two thousand three, which is uh, Kurt Busiek, Tom Grummet, Prentice Rollins on uh, art, uh, inking, uh, penciling, and inking respectively, Guy Majors as colorist, Connor Craft for letters, and edited by Steve Wacker. So this is the issuer. Firestorm joins the power company. So it begins with the power company shutting down a gang of thugs who are recruiting at a local bar. They're confronted by the big boss of the thugs, Morn. <laughs> I had to check if this was the 90s comics. because he's a very 90s character. Oh, we're, we're in the 2000s, but he's, he feels like a 90s leftover. Morn. Firestorm enters and fuses steel around him with chloroform to knock him out. Let me apologize to the rest of the team. Says sorry, I've lost my partner. Now I'm on my own, and I'm learning about atomic composition and practicing. And they say, "Oh, don't worry about it. You did the job." Later, there's a press conference where Firestorm is officially welcomed onto the team. They point out as an associate. He tells a sanitized version of his recruitment. Although in flashback, we see that he was actually pretty down on his luck, and uh, even though he wasn't enjo- interested in joining the team, once he found out there was a salary, he joined for the money. Manhunter, Hunter, meanwhile, at the press conference, is exaggerating the organization that they took down to drum up business. Firestorm notices this and mentions it to Skyrocket, who calls uh, the Manhunter on it. Later, we have a final scene with Striker Z and Rich Fire, which is just setting up the next issue, but it's unrelated. Firestorm doesn't last too much. He actually leaves the team just a few issues later, and, and a couple pages in uh, issue 16, he says he admits to Skyrocket yes I did just do it for the money and that compromised him made him follow orders he disagreed with and then in a nice turnabout he asked Skyrocket if she would like to join the Justice League so I wanted to stick that in even though it's a couple issues later to just Mm -hmm. show how he leaves the team so I remember being very excited this was um, I think they had like a competition where Kirk Busick had like six characters it was like Firestorm the Haunted Tank a handful of obscure characters and readers got to vote who they wanted to join the team. And I think Firestorm won pretty handily. And I think he really wanted the Haunted Tank because he (laughs) brought the Haunted Tank in later and the issues with Firestorm was in it. Firestorm's heart wasn't really in it and you could tell I think that was a product of Busick's heart wasn't really in it. That wasn't who he wanted to pick. But I was glad. I think I voted for Firestorm or would have voted for Firestorm because he was my favorite out of the bunch of characters and I just wanted to see him on a and a new comic. Loved Tom Grummett's take on him. And uh, I hated to see him like so down and out. I'm like, dude, you were a Justice League. How could you let your life get to this way? But uh, it made for an interesting arc through these issues where he did join for the wrong reasons. And it, it quickly uh, comes to a head where he he doesn't like the hero he's becoming because of that. So it was a good arc for him. I liked these characters. I thought uh, that uh, he, he brought Bork from an old Brave and the Bold <laughs> issue from decades earlier. The, the the Manhunter's kind of a jerk, but he's not quite Paul Kirk. It's uh, Kirk DePaul. Paul. So yeah. he was a jerk. I think he was later killed off. Uh, a few others we never saw against Sapphire. She was somewhat generic, but I really liked Skyrocket, and I would have loved to see her join the Justice League. So I'm sorry they never followed up on that. I don't know if she was ever appeared anywhere other than maybe some big crossover in the background again but I thought of all the Power Company characters, she really could have gone on to be something and it's not too late. I'd love to see somebody bring her
0: back. A couple years later, uh, I want to say 2005, 2006 somewhere in there, uh, Busick did a run on Action Comics uh, and he actually had a team-up issue where Superman teamed up with Firestorm and several characters and one of them was Skyrocket. I'm going to
1: have to look that up.
0: That's great. It's a good little run of three issues of uh, uh, Action Comics. I actually read them in preparation for this episode for consideration it's worth reading uh, i didn't quite meet my criteria for this episode but uh they're definitely worth reading Cool. so i uh, t- chiming in on what you were saying you know i i wish this series had been given more time i really think it could have become something i mean music and grummet are incredibly talented creators the team was solid it was interesting I-, I don't know whether the sales weren't there or music wasn't interested but i think this thing could have been a book that would have gotten some legs underneath it it had a great concept of it a- being like a business firm and yeah. i think this really could have gone places like we it could be a book we may be still talking about. And I'm really bummed it didn't get the chance. Now, the, the Firestorm thing, everything you said, I just, you know, you're absolutely right. The only other thing I would chime in is it was interesting because while he was part of the power company, he was also in the JLA. He was actually on both teams at the same time. Oh, yes. Well, not that he was being featured very heavily in JLA. He was just sort of technically a member, even though he would, wouldn't show up very often. And I think part of the reason he got booted from the series was because they were getting ready to kill him. Like, I think they knew the Jason Rush series was on the horizon and they, they had decided on the new Firestorm series before they even decided how they were going to get rid of Ronnie. Yeah, so I so I think they they cut Ronnie from the team because they're getting ready to do Jason. That's my take on that. But uh, I gotta say, Busick is such a clever writer because Firestorm is incredibly competent. I mean, he turns the floor to mist, takes the water pipe, releases the water, turns the water to steel, turns the w- the water around the mouth in a chloroform. I mean, Firestorm's never been that competent before. I mean, that was amazing. <laughs> was and like, then he yeah. apologizes for it, right? Yeah, Yeah, you know, Manhunter I mean, pretty much Firestorm took the big bad down without blinking. And, you know, and Manhunter's like, "Yeah, that's not bad. You'll do." You know, clearly because he's like Firestorm just showed them all up. So that was great. So for me, what made this a great team-up was, I love the, the what you described, those caption boxes where Firestorm's like praising joining the power company, and then the images and the dialogue is showing you the whole other story, sort of the unreliable narrator thing. I, I absolutely love that. For you, what, what uh, I sound like you were saying the inviting Skyrocket and all that was what made it a good team-up comic, or am I missing it?
1: I just like the juxtaposition between, this is not the JLA who's joining. And, yeah. Uh, Even almost instantly, he's recognizing that at the press conference and he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? So you can already see the seeds being planted for like, uh, you know, maybe doing this for the wrong reasons isn't going to pan out. So, uh, yeah, I thought it's a good juxtaposition between where the Justice League, you know, he was welcomed in and he was kind of in awe. And here on the one hand he's kind of a veteran hero compared to some of these guys, but on the other hand, he's sort of starting over with the loss of Stein. So it, it's uh he's in a really odd place. And yeah, like I said, it's too bad that uh, as much as I like Jason, he came on so soon after that, because I thought that it was a, a great thing to explore him being a solo hero without that mentor. And, that he's realizing, geez, I've got these great powers and I don't even know how to use them as well as I should and and, and learning on that. I would have liked to have seen a lot more of that as well.
0: It was definitely interesting, and, and during this era when Firestorm was in JLA, I really thought they were leading to a point where Ray Palmer would actually fuse with Ronnie, and he would be sort of the mentor for Ronnie, and maybe even let Ronnie have the shrinking powers too. But just because it's so much of him and Ray, uh, Ray mentoring him anyway, teaching him, like he would go to class with Ray Palmer and learn about you know chemistry and stuff like that. I thought that's where they were going to go, but. Obviously, I was wrong. So, all I
1: remember right. thinking about that, too. That would have been cool.
0: Yep. All right, so the last one. I am going to flip the script, and I'm not going to continue going forward. I'm going to go backwards, cover a classic Firestorm story, and now it's my turn to cover a Jerry Conway story. Uh, this is Flash number 293, cover dated January 1981. The issue itself features two stories, but I'm going to be focusing just on the cover story, which teams up Firestorm and The Flash. The issue is called The Deadliest Man Alive, written by Jerry Conway. The penciler is George Pro. Perez inker is Roden rodriguez and it does have an awesome cover and and my cover is actually a little bit messy because it's signed by george perez yay (laughs) okay so in the story the flash creates a sonic boom which accidentally triggers the escape of the atomic skull from a special prison which would take too long to explain that special prison uh the atomic skull blasts the flash dosing him with a lethal level of radiation enough to kill him within the hour the flash races to new york city to seek the aid of firestorm the nuclear man absorbs the radiation from the Flash's body, but the excess radiation leaves Firestorm essentially intoxicated. He's stumble drunk on radiation. The Flash Flash carries Firestorm to Colorado, where they find the atomic skull mining for uranium. Flash undoes all of the atomic skull's work, and then he goads the drunken Firestorm into firing a nuclear blast at the Flash. Flash dodges the blast at the last second, which instead strikes the atomic skull, knocking out the foe. Having released the energy, Firestorm sobers up and finds himself very confused and is not exactly. exactly sure why he feels annoyed at the flash. Ah oh, man, this thing—it's just 13 pages, but it is freaking perfect. It's Jerry Conway who knows Firestorm in and out. It is George Perez with Roden Rodriguez, so it's just absolutely amazing. It's fun, it's exciting, it's hilarious. 13 pages is just long enough to get in and get out. Oh, I absolutely love this. What, what do you think of this issue?
1: Oh, absolutely gorgeous. Roden Rodriguez inks on Perez. I think this is the only place it happens, and it's—it's it's a great combination. I really. I love it. The art is beautiful in this. And boy, do these guys look good together with the red and yellow costumes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look great together. I've always loved the relationship between the Flash and Firestorm. You see it here. You see it in some JLA issues. There's a couple times where Flash cusses Firestorm out. <laughs> and he's out but it's always been kind of tough love kind of thing. And uh, I remember once, yeah, Firestorm, I couldn't believe Flash, it did some super speed stuff done. Flash had to dress him down for that. It's like, dude, listen. But um, you see a lot of that relationship here. And yeah, and it's funny, too. (laughs) If Firestorm gets drunk, (laughs) it's a great moment. Now Conway goes to the same well again, just as he did in that Batman team up where they defeat the bad guy by our hero taunting firestorm into blasting them and jumping out of the way and they blast the bad guy anyways <laughs> so he he's used that trick a couple times but oh, when it's done this beautifully it's hard to complain what a great treat and this is the backup second story i'm like how did this not get the lead treatment
0: right well they gave it the cover i think it's because they realized it was so yes. good and his perez oh
1: and you've got the atomic skull i absolutely love this villain i love him in this form and i like the the later kind of leather jacket one that looks a little bit more like a ghost rider yeah both those versions I love this classic villain. I've tried to use him on the blog a couple times. He's just got one of those Silver Age outfits that's just so ugly, but you never want to change it. I don't think he's ever looked better than he does in this issue. I mean, with Perez and Rodriguez art, I mean, he actually looks pretty damn formidable. And he is, he's got some great powers. People tend to write him off because he kind of looks goofy, but uh, I love it. He, he's everything I like about a Silver Age costume and a Silver Age character. So to have him as the... And antagonist in this is just icing on the
0: cake you make a good point like to me he's super doofy
1: like I just I, I have no
0: patience for the atomic skull but he looks amazing here you're right he looks really 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 amazing so uh, he does uh, it adds him a, a, an air of like okay I can deal with that you know when he's drawn this well the Flash and Firestorm have an interesting history of everything you just described but I think where it comes from is just the very fact that Firestorm was a backup in the Flash like I think it was sort of artificially created because Firestorm was sort of linked to the Flash because of that so eventually they actually linked the characters together in the comics and I think that's you know where that that sort of connection comes from, and it works for me. I think the two two characters work great. You're right, they look visually good together, they work well together, Barry's such a straight lace, and Ronnie's a goofball. You know, when I first read this as a kid, I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14, and the fact that Firestorm was drunk was just so funny to me as a kid. Like, I was like, he he he, you know, my favorite guy's drunk, that's so funny. So I I adored that part of it. This story is just pure joy to me. I I cannot think of, well, there's one team-up I like a little bit better, but this is one of my absolute favorite team-ups of all time, and uh, I'm so glad I got a chance Covered here, I just adore it. And as far as what makes it a great team up, you know, it really does make a good combination of uh, the radiation. So therefore, the Flash does need Firestorm. Uh, so it makes it sort of a, a logical connection. Like it really works for both characters. And then I, I like the Flash as sort of the designated driver of so of a sort in the story.
1: I have to laugh at the panel where the Flash is trying to make Firestorm mad so he'll blast him. Yeah, <laughs> and so the flash says you dumb cluck we all know what he was really saying there, right <laughs> even as a kid i'm like i know what he's really saying there. <laughs> <laughs> well that
0: is gonna do it oh my gosh these were some great great comics i'm so glad uh because originally i told you you didn't have to reread them i'm like no 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 don't worry ross you don't have to reread any of them i'm not gonna reread them either and then i ended up rereading all of them and i'm so glad i did they were all so much fun there's a couple uh, i don't know if you have a, a list of backups that you almost I was just going to mention a couple I almost did. Uh, I mentioned the Superpowers mini-comic already. I really wanted to do JLA number 184 to 186, which is the the team up with the JSA, and they fight Apocalypse and the New Gods and stuff. There just wasn't quite enough Firestorm to merit that one. Then I I truly thought about the Firestorm Blue Devil crossover, uh, two of my absolute favorite characters. But the problem is, ultimately, that particular story wasn't that entertaining. It just wasn't the best time in the writers' lives for those two characters to get together. It just it didn't land like it should have. So that's why I didn't do that one. And the other one, both you and I picked, actually, and then I talked us both out of doing it, which is Firestorm Volume 1, the very first series, issue number two, where Firestorm teams up with Superman. And folks, stay tuned, because I will be discussing that very soon on an upcoming episode of this podcast. So I, I we decided not to do that issue this time. Did you have any that you considered that you didn't do? Well, the
1: other thing I was considering was it wasn't an issue it was a spattering of pages from different justice League, uh jla jsa team ups i always liked the flirtation between firestorm and power girl and uh. you pointed out that you had covered that <laughs> perfectly I, I i went back and uh read that entry on the the power girl firestorm team up and uh, i encourage anybody to to uh go check that out by shag because it's very thorough and it's everything I remember loving about that relationship and I think post-crisis it was never touched on again. Correct. Uh, I barely saw them together and if they were it was like, I think that got wiped out by the crisis, but I always liked that, you know, because every um, JLA, JSA team, I always loved those one or two pages where they were just kind of hanging out, yep. either before or after the action. There would always be some cool interactions and he was always kind of flirting with Power Girl and for a while she rebutted. Him, but then finally there was one where she's like, just hold me, yeah. Ronnie. <laughs> and uh, I was, I love it, they were the same age, and you know, the youngest members of their prospective teams, and uh. I don't know why they dropped it. I really liked re- that relationship. Well,
0: I asked Jerry about that one time. And he said specifically he did put them together because they're the youngest members of the team. You're exactly right. But ultimately, he decided being on parallel worlds it wouldn't work, and Ronnie already had so many girlfriend issues as it was. So that's what that's ultimately why he didn't pursue it. But uh, yeah, if you want, folks, it's out on my uh, the blog I used to run Firestormfan.com. And if you just search for Power Girl, you'll find it. There's one post and it's got every single panel of Power Girl and Firestorm flirting all in one post. So you can read them all and relive that that it's fun great.
1: stuff but I, I got to part ways with uh, Jerry Conway on that. I mean, that's the perfect other woman to have. She's in another dimension. You're <laughs> never going to like bump into Lorraine Riley at the mall. Or anything.
0: So. or Doreen. You know, so, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Gosh. She's like, a, she's like his girlfriend from Canada. So, all <laughs> right. So these were so many fun issues. And I mean, just li- I, I, I started writing down names, listen to the powerhouse of talent that we just discussed here today. Folks, Jerry Conway, Kurt music, John Osterger, Paul Kupperberg Stuart, Moore, Kerry Bates, Pat Broderick, Carmen I Infantino, Tom Mandrake, Rich Buckler, Jamal Eigel, Tom Grummet, George Perez, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, and Jack Kirby. This was an amazing collection of creators on an awesome group of stories. So wow. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so as we're going to wrap up here, we are going to talk real quickly about just a quick handful of the Super Team family, the Lost Issues. Ross has done over 40 Firestorm-themed covers, folks. They are amazing. Go out there. He's got them all tagged, so you can just click uh, on the left-hand side. There's a there's like a, a, a tag cloud. Find Firestorm, click it. You can see them all. Uh, but and we're, We don't have time to describe them all here, but we're each going to pick anywhere from three to five of our favorites and quickly discuss. So why don't we just, we'll do rapid fire back and forth. Ross, you go first.
1: All right, I, I really love like this one uh, it it was a two-parter with Firestorm from uh, uh, July of 2016 issues 1550 and 1551 the first issue is Firestorm in the Marvel Universe actually they're both Firestorm in the Marvel Universe part one and part two the first issue you see him It's a Pat Broderick Firestorm. He's, uh, I think I used a a Secret Wars 2 cover. So you see him standing in the middle, kind of glowing. Uh, The caption is, they thought he was the city's newest champion, but a psychic meltdown transforms him into its greatest threat. I'll Take Manhattan is the title. And you see Black Suit Spider-Man, Iron Fist, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Power Man, She-Hulk, and the Human Torch all charging towards him. In my comments, I said, hey, stay tuned for part two of this epic tomorrow. Can you figure out how this predicament will be resolved? The clue is on this cover. (laughs) By that, I meant you could clearly see while they're all approaching him, Mr. Fantastic is completely enveloping his arms around Ronnie. He's the one about to make the most contact. And that's because if you go to the next issue, the caption is a brand new world means a brand new mentor. You see firestorm. I think I took that from his uh, Secret Origins appearance yep. where John Byrne floating Reed Richards head and it's the Raymond Richards Matrix so now you've got Reed Richards and the Professor Stein role and you've got the uh, you get the thing Iron Man, Thor Captain America, the Wasp Spider-Man and Hawkeye looking on that's from uh, the Spider-Man annual where I mentioned Monica Rambeau came from another character that I followed from the very beginning so I just liked this concept it's something i probably should go back and revisit again I have at least one more issue with uh because I like the idea of uh, Reed Richards as his mentor in the floating head form. I think of anybody in the Marvel universe, I think that's the perfect character to do it. I can, I can definitely see some great adventures between the two. So I just like the concept uh, between the two and I liked doing that fun two-parter where I have a little hint of where the story's going and seeing if anybody guessed it before they got there.
0: That's awesome. I, I love these two and yeah, I like the Secret Wars 2 cover you've got there and the Pat Broderick Firestorm. So one of the- the neat things though here is that you've got the secret wars 2 backdrop on the on the first one which was drawn by al milgram Uh, and then you've got the firestorm from secret origins cover which is also drawn by al milgram so you've got an al milgram connection and al milgram is the co-creator firestorm so it works out perfect
1: yes and I, th- I, I like that uh, my Broderick I think it's uh, from a commission piece from him I don't actually- I believe
0: it is yeah either that or like uh, uh, maybe something for uh, Back Issue Magazine but yeah it's definitely something he's done in more recent years yeah, yeah
1: the, the color and you can kind of
0: yeah. tell alright so I'll go through one of mine quickly I picked number thirteen fifty three, which is X-Men and Firestorm so it's got your sort of classic uh, Claremont Burn uh, X-Men team although I don't know if it's Burn Art obviously you would know that I don't but they're running at you and they're up on the satellite, and uh, Firestorm is startled, which is from uh, just like American Number Two Hundred. He's startled by the X Men suddenly running into the satellite, and Wolverine says, "Sorry to interrupt monitor duty, kid, but we're commandeering your fancy space clubhouse." <laughs> and it says, "Quote is stowaways on the satellite." I just love this because you know this this version of the X Men always reminds me of Pride of the X Men, the cartoon. And there's all kinds of satellites, you know, and spaceships in that one as well. And seeing the X Men run in there and Firestorm startle—it's absolutely perfect. I I, I love the X Men, so this one brought me a lot of joy.
1: Oh, glad you liked it. Yeah, this one was the tricky part. This one was the background. You know, I think you'll probably recognize that Firestorm is from Justice League 200. You yep. have Martian Manhunter charging in, so sometimes you can take out the character and still use the background. That one I, I couldn't. So I'm like, so I had to find a background, but I'm like, it's still weighs on a satellite. So I had to find something that kind of looked like it could be the Justice League satellite. I, I think this is a, um, I, I can't tell you the exact video game, but it's a video game background.
0: Oh, that's perfect. That's the great. For the,
1: <laughs> for the Justice League, but um, and I like fancy space clubhouse. Just felt like something that, that uh, 80s era Wolverine would say.
0: Oh, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. All right, so so when you got next.
1: Okay, next up is issue 267, an early MS paint effort from way back in January. Uh, Oh, it was New Year's Day, January 1, 2013. And the reason I like this issue, you you, you see the Hulk. He's about to throw a police car on top of Firestorm. This is the one time I actually used the blank slate Firestorm in this. Mm -hmm. And you've got captions here. And the caption says, one hero loses control and another must risk everything to save the city. And the other caption is the title, Meltdown in Manhattan. (laughs) The reason I like this is if you read this caption and the title It could go for either character. Yeah. One loses control and another must risk everything to save the city. I don't say who's who. And I think it can work both ways because Hulk's always losing control. But this looks like it's a meltdown in Manhattan. So maybe it's Firestorm who's lost control. But maybe he melts down by risking everything to save the city. So it could go either way, the caption. So I like how this cover can work two ways depending on how you, the reader, Uh, sees it. So I'm always interested if uh, someone reads it, who is the hero they think is losing control and who is the one who's going to risk everything. So I just kind of liked that. And also that it is an MS Paint one, uh, one of my <laughs> earlier efforts, but I think it it still works well.
0: Oh, it looks great. And your captions are always, they're just amazing. I mean, they're exactly like what you expect to see in a comic. By the way, I will say, uh, I got special permission from Ross. I am going to share these particular covers we talk about on our image gallery. So you'll get to see the covers of the 10 stories we covered earlier. And you'll also get to see these particular covers on the image gallery. If you want to see all of them though, just remember go to Ross's website, super team family, the lost issues and click on the firestorm tag. And you'll see all of them. Uh, my next one. All right. I, I, this one's a bit of a cheat. I'm and Ross knows why I picked number 3,044 firestorm versus Dr. Doom. And you've got Firestorm, which is originally lifted from the the unpublished cover of Firestorm number six versus Dr. Doom. And in the background, you've got the Liberian flag. It says Firestorm versus Dr. Doom. And Firestorm says, I've heard of tin-plated dictators before, but you really take it literally. And Dr. Doom yells, attacking me in my own home will be the last mistake you ever make. And it says, storming the castle. And the reason why I love this one is I unknowingly contributed to it. (laughs) So Al Milgram, uh, many years ago, I did an interview with him, and he was kind enough to share with me the unpublished cover of number six of Firestorm. It had never seen light of day anywhere before. So I published it on the blog, and I started thinking, I wonder what this would look like colored. So I went ahead and colored it in my own style, trying to mimic what it would look like in the 1970s. So I colored the thing. And I've seen a lot of people have captured my coloring and put it out there as if that was the actual cover. It's, It's, you know, how things migrate across the internet so obviously Ross you must have come across it at some point whether you thought it was a real one or not whatever but you lifted my coloring of Firestorm and it's on this cover so I contributed a little bit so I'm, I'm being completely biased uh, picking one that I helped
1: <laughs> I was I always knew there was something I liked about this covering I never quite <laughs> put my finger on it Well, that's amazing. When you told me that uh, yesterday, it blew me away. (laughs) So, uh, you know what, I got to add you to the labels under this.
0: Oh, don't you dare. Don't you? (laughs) I don't deserve that kind (laughs) of credit. Um,
1: Once again, this was one I had to, I don't know how well it works out. I think it works out well enough, but uh, yeah, I had these great steps. I didn't have a background. So... I found the um, the Latvian flag and just blew yep. it up. I said, oh, it's just a tapestry he has behind his staircase. So uh, I cheated a little on the background on this one.
0: It looks great. It looks great. All
1: right, so what one you got next? All right, finally, my final choice here is uh, issue 2257, Monday, June 18th, 2018. This was Firestorm and E-Man. Oh, okay. And I like this because it's a double team up because you get guest star Nova Kane and Firehawk in this one as well. And uh the title is Murderous Migraine, because they're battling a big giant living brain looking thing. And uh E-Man says nothing we throw at the brain works, and if we can't stop him, Firestorm finishes his sentence. The whole world will pay the price. Uh, <laughs> so I just like the double team up aspect of this. I've only used Firehawk a handful of times, so I was glad to get her in here. And but you know it works out perfectly. These both guys have uh, superhero uh, girlfriends who have red hair themselves. And once again, just like Firestorm and the Flash in that story you were talking about earlier, Firestorm and Eman very similar color schemes oh yeah just look great together they both got the the yellow trunks gloves and boots and uh, then offset by the red and uh, even kind of similar power sets so i I think they make for a great team uh works out really well together i think this was actually a suggestion by by one of the one of the uh, commenters and I probably didn't think of it. And then when I put them together, I'm like, wow, they go perfectly together. And then I saw it with the, the two girlfriends. So I just like how this one worked
0: out. I love it. It looks fantastic. And you worked in Firehawk's logo. The whole thing's a complete win. It's super great. And anything with Joe, uh, Joe Staten's you know, lovely artwork, it looks great. So love it, love it, love it. Uh, I picked, uh, now I, I've i got a few more because I picked more than you. So I'll just rattle through them real quickly. Uh, okay. t- 2941, which is Giant Man and Firestorm. And it's got, it's, it's just Giant Man and Fire in The Bill Foster Impersonator. And uh, it's got this giant... No,
1: no, no, excuse me. The Bill Foster Imposter.
0: Oh, gosh. Thank you. Yes, I knew there was a a rhyming scheme to it. (laughs) Perfect. The Bill Foster Imposter. It's brilliant. So it's got Bill Foster, you know, giant man there in his giant costume. And he says, Ease up, kid. I'm an old colleague of Professor Stein. He can vouch for me. And then Firestorm's in the foreground. This is from, I want to say, a Killer Frost issue. And he says, He's telling the truth, Ronnie. I would trust him with my life. And Firestorm says, Maybe, but I know what I saw him do which means I have to take him down this is a perfect example of with just one line of dialogue you create a whole story you know he, Firestorm has seen Giant Man do something and it's like it sparks the imagination what did he do you know oh he's an imposter and I love that you connected Bill Foster and Martin Stein I mean, it's sort of like what happened in the Ant-Man movie but it, it, it's fantastic here and I just love it this is this is awesome
1: yeah I have uh, I think another I don't know if I've even published it that might be an upcoming issue where a Firestorm meets uh, Bill Foster in his Black Goliath identity. So nice, and continue that it, it is in here. It's issue twenty one oh four. Oh, okay, perfect. And and it's because in that issue, I pulled it from Bill Foster battles kind of a nuclear. Villain, so it was a perfect place to place in Firestorm.
0: That works out, awesome. Um, so the last two are twenty four sixteen, which is Captain Universe versus Firestorm. So it's got uh, Captain Universe punching Firestorm. It's a great little shot there, and this is what sells it is the dialogue you wrote here, man. This is what does it for me. Uh, they're they're flying over the city. Uh, Captain Universe punches Firestorm. And he goes, "This city doesn't need you anymore." Now that Cliff Carmichael wields the Unipower, that and then it says unnatural selection. Is the, is the tagline that just sold it for me the whole idea of cliff carmichael becoming captain universe and fighting firestorm i'm like oh my gosh that is just too amazing i love it i love it so i could not not pick that one
1: oh, i'm really glad you like that yeah and captain universe's whole shtick is it's somebody else it is captain universe every time so exactly i was like who who out of his you know supporting characters and i'm like it's gotta be it's gotta be cliff carmichael <laughs>
0: And the last one, I think this is one of your early MS Paint ones, it's number 172 Firestorm and Power Man and Iron Fist and on the cover it says why is Firestorm merging together in New York's greatest fighting team? Fatal Fusion and it's got Firestorm from Fury of Firestorm number one and on the side each side of him is Power Man half of his face is a skull, Iron Fist is on the other side, half of his face is a skull and it really does look like Firestorm sort of forcing an atomic merger or atomic destruction of some sort I mean, it really all just come together perfectly i love it
1: yeah it was one of those cases where it, it, the images just told the story and i'm like oh, i just all i gotta come up with is a, a title they kind of look like they went together i, I had seen that power man iron fish cover and i'm like i gotta use this somewhere and i'm like well who can be doing this to them and when i figured out to stick firestorm in there and, and especially using that image from the, the first issue I was very happy, and you're right. It is it is MS Paint. So for an MS Paint cover, very happy with the way it turned out.
0: Oh, looks great. And, and one quick shout out to 11:59, uh, which is Firehawk and Ben Riley. Uh, I only mention that because Nate Winchester, who is a reader of the Firestorm fan blog, suggested it to me, which I then passed on to you, and you went ahead and created it. And it's just because Ben Riley, as you know, Scarlet Spider and Lorraine Riley as Firehawk, it just made too much sense. And you've got this cover here where she says, "If my brother's a clone, what does that make me?" And you called it. the Riley factor, which is just so much fun. It was great. Uh absolutely loved it.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad you liked that one. Yeah. Now, did I give you uh hey, and yes, I did. I've got I did give you credit in yeah. the comments for this one. So you totally did. Yep. Oh, and yeah. I, even, I even uh gave Fire and Water podcast a plug here. Well, you know what? You're a, uh I should mention it. You know, you people become a patron of Shag because he He's not only has a patron page, he is a patron of mine. So Shag's been <laughs> one of the reasons why blogs continue so long because Shag's a patron in excellent standing. <laughs> I- I truly appreciate
0: it. You were the first person I ever contributed to with Patreon and I'm glad to still be doing it. I think I love what you do and I love supporting it. So, well, it's amazing that you are. I truly appreciate it. Ah, Well, thank you for the work you've done. And folks, this is where we're going to wrap up. Uh, Ross, I can't tell you how much fun this is again. We've known each other online for many, many, many years. I'm so this is our first chance to actually talk. This has been great. So why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you and your work online?
1: Uh, It's braveandboldlost.blogspot.com. If that's too weird to remember, just put in Super Teen Family. I'm the first or second thing that'll pop up. And you can find the blog. And I also have a Facebook fan page. You can follow me at Ross Pearsall on Twitter. So I post links to my covers on both of those on a daily basis. Uh, I also have a Patreon page. That is www.patreon.com forward slash STF the Lost Issues. Uh, if you want to support the blog, but yeah, just put in super team family. You'll find it. I got to
0: tell you, uh, this, this is how lazy I am. People. One of my favorite things about being a Patreon supporter is I get emailed the covers every day. So I don't even have to go looking for them. <laughs> they come to me. And uh, that's one of the benefits of being a Patreon supporter. So that's, it makes me so happy. They're just right there in my inbox every morning when I open. So it's fantastic so folks we want to hear your thoughts on these issues we want to hear your thoughts on some of your favorite team ups that Ross has done please go out to our website which is firewaterpodcast.com go up to this episode leave your comments there you know hit us up on Facebook hit Ross up on Facebook hit us up on Twitter you know wherever find us and tell us your favorite Firestorm stories we want to hear about it and again what favorite covers that Ross has done thank you again Ross I, I cannot thank you enough for being on this episode
1: it was my pleasure and I really appreciate you having me on
0: I'll have to have you back another time, too. So, folks, this is going to do it for this episode, but coming very soon, the next episode of Aquaman and Firestorm, the Firewater podcast. Rob will be back, and believe it or not, we will be celebrating our 10th year, 10-year anniversary of this podcast. 10 years doing this. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe it. Oof. So, I, we will see you very soon, folks. So, until next time, fan the flame
1: and ride the waves. Uh, well, firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in there. Storm. Super Friends Forever! Yeah!